they just hire care for us. He knows just where we are. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Brother Derek. So we've combined our, our two sessions into one. And what I'm going to say is let's just see where it goes from here. Let's see where it goes from here. We know that we're between lunch, so the Lord is already doing something, and he's going to finish the work, and then finish, finish the work after lunch. <laughs> I've got some lyrics for you. If you know where they came from, keep them to yourself. <laughs> but... My wife and I were scrolling YouTube one day looking for this song and watching it um, several, a couple of years ago, I think, that this song reminded me of what we're gonna talk about today. And so I got my title, part of my title from this song. But I wanna read the lyrics to you. Listen to them very carefully. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm gonna send a flood, gonna drown them out. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me, look out because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen, I make no apologies, this is me. Around a bullets hitting my skin. Well, fire away, cause today I won't let the shame sink in. We are bursting through the barricades and reaching for the sun. We are warriors. Yeah, that's what we've become. I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. So when the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. This is me. I want to start off by reading Isaiah 59 and 19. And this is the ES, well, this is the King James Version here. It says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. So when the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, 
I'm going to drown them out. I'm brave. I'm bruised. But I'm who I'm meant to be. This is me. So look out, because here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm brave, I'm bruised, but I'm who I am meant to be. This is me. So the title of today's message is, This is Me, Imposter, question mark, chosen, exclamation point, qualified, exclamation, exclamation. So we're going to tie these together. So, being an imposter, we were asked to do this uh, a session on this at a conference we did, we spoke at last year. And in studying imposter syndrome, I was looking into the definition of what, and what, is, what is imposter syndrome? Some say it's not a real thing. But I looked it up and the definition of imposter syndrome basically says, can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persists despite evident success. Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a self of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. So if you feel dismayed by your inability to match the apparent perfection of others, though no one is perfect, know that weaknesses does not mean you are a fake Christian. Instead, boast all the more gladly of your weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest in you. Now I'm gonna jump off of my notes for right now. I look at imposter syndrome as taking all of those things uh -huh. that you were raised with, that you've uh, put on from childhood, teenage years, early adulthood, and you have learned to live the words of other people. And it's really interesting um, with this uh, thought process, but you know, we always say sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. I don't know who came up with that lie. Because <laughs> I have learned my whole life that words really do hurt. And not only that, they're alive. Both the good words spoken over us and the negative ones. I have met, and including myself, I've had to deal with the fact that even if I am qualified and degreed and have the title in the right situation, in the right environment of my occupation or in ministry, I revert back to that five-year-old, 10-year-old, 12-year-old that was told I couldn't do this or I wasn't good at that or never do this or you look this way. And in the right moment, those words creep back up and then I find myself questioning myself going, maybe it's true. And at some point, they'll figure it out. And then what do I do? So you walk around with this continual battle of what really is true about who you are. Is it what they said? Is it what I have believed? 
That's a struggle. That's a war. I noticed today, and, and I want to add this in here. I love how God, huh, when he flows, he flows. And he has been flowing in a direction this morning. And so I want to thank both Sister Clemens and our dear friend there, Petra, for everything you said in obedience to God to set the captives free this morning. Amen. For going against the odds. And I know, because we live in this flesh, fighting against the negative to be obedient to what God has called you to do in spite of and because of who God's called you to be and who you've always been created to be. Amazingly gifted women, if you couldn't tell, extremely uber, uber smart, just all the things that I just love and admire. Um, and also a diversity of the way they are ministering and what they're doing. If you haven't seen anything this morning, see that you don't have to be cookie cutter. And those words that create that imposter mentality within us is because somewhere in our culture, there's this thing that says you have to be like everybody else. And so if they present themselves perfect, you have to be perfect. If they look this way, if they're this size, if they're this height, if they're this color, if they're this age, if they're this hair texture, I'm going to go there. Then if you don't look like them, give it up. Doesn't matter how hard you try, how many degrees you get how you try to make yourself look like everybody else in the status quo, how you try to make yourself fit in, how to, I always say, don't shrink yourself, but how to shrink yourself down to size. That's the war. But thank you both for fighting that current and doing what God's called you to do and helping all of us. So I, I had to say that because it perfectly flowed, and I felt like, you know, whatever I'm preaching later, I might as well scratch that because they've covered it all. But that's how God works, and some of us need redundancy in learning. I'm one of those people. I learn different. <laughs> so I need a variety of ways for things to be presented for me to truly grab a hole. So I, I wanted to say that. That's awesome. That's, that's where we're, we're going with this. So my wife and I, our ministry, we are encouragers. That's what we do. We, we do our best to encourage people. And I think because at times when we needed it the most, we didn't have it. We didn't get it. And so the best thing that we could do is become what we didn't have. All right. Woo. Yeah. Become what we didn't have. And so we've learned a lot. We've lived a lot of life in our short years of, of, of living. But one thing I've had to learn, and what you'll, you'll figure out about us, if you follow us on social media, if you've seen us anywhere else, who we are is who we have become. We have learned to shake off and let go of all the things that we were supposed to be. The things that made other people comfortable. As she said, um, shrink down, I like to use the word dumb down. We had to dumb down ourselves to make others feel comfortable. 
And when you do that, then you are not authentically who God has created you to be. There are so many um, evangelists and preachers and pastors and things out there that we learn to emulate. And some of that is great. But when you have to become that person in order to feel acceptance, then you are not being yourself. That's not okay. Yeah. And so from, um, um, we're going to speak re- really from, from spiritual aspect to practical aspects, from how you teach, how you preach, how you sing, to how you dress, because I have to fit in. Everybody's wearing black, blue, and brown. That means I have to wear black, blue, and gra- brown. And I'm like, I like black, blue, and gra- brown, but I also like some of the other stuff. And so in order for me to to fit in with this group, this is what they're having me to become. Well, then maybe I don't fit in with that group. Maybe God is calling me to reach other people that may not fit in with that group. Maybe my testimony might be taken differently from somebody who has jeans on at the Bible study. Maybe you wear cowboy boots in Texas. And they don't do that other places. Does that make you less spiritual because you don't wear cowboy boots or you do wear cowboy boots? Some of this stuff is silly, isn't it? If you think about it, if you don't think about it, the, what you are lacking, you try to fill those voids with what everybody wants you to do. And you become so frazzled trying to be everybody and trying to do everything that you never really fit into what God is calling you to do. Um, I want to add something in there. You know, we're talking about being who God called you to be, but we're not talking about going outside of the word of God to accomplish that. I want to, I want to make it plain for everybody just in case, because in order for us to have a blessed life, and to do what God's called us to do, we can be as uniquely made as he's made us, but we need to be uniquely made in his word. Yes. <laughs> and in who he called us to be, and we need to represent him well. And so that does mean there's certain things we adhere to and certain things we don't do and certain things we don't say and places we don't go and certain things we don't represent on our body, all the things. But what makes us unique should not be what's pushing us to be an imposter, which is how the world is pushing. Yeah. And, and I, I, will, I will say this because, like, my friend there, I grew up in a military family. And for some of us, it's very easy to fall into conforming. I also grew up and, and I had a, a very... A traumatic childhood that included some things that diminished me in value and caused me to be very much a a servant in the most negative view of that and submissive in the most negative view of that and so it was very easily when I came into the kingdom of God and understood that there were some changes that need to be made in me that I could conform I could look the part so if they were wearing blue, black, and brown, then okay, I can do that. Even if no one told me, because I didn't want to go against status quo, because I didn't want to be seen 
as flawed as the light as my life had taught me I was. And I didn't want to cause a reason for someone to do what had been done to me my whole life. I would just conform. I would just obey. I would just, in that, in that most negative sense, submit out of fear. I'm going to help somebody. If it's done out of fear and not out of love, then it's not what God's calling you to do. It's what the Prince of Peace in this world is pushing you to do. Because God says, let's compel them. Let's love them to who I've called them to be. Let's love them until they have a desire to be who I've called them to be. When we do it other ways, man, that imposter syndrome, that, that thought that I don't measure up and I can't accomplish and I can't do, I'm doing it, but oh, just that will cause you, one, to have an addiction because the pressure and the stress of life will get you. You'll be walking on eggshells thinking at any moment now, if I, I'll crash and burn and I'll lose it all or they'll leave me or they'll reject me. And it doesn't allow the Lord to come in and just love you because you are fighting against those negative words and thoughts to even love yourself, more or less truly understand how God loves you, which is why it's important what was mentioned earlier, and, and I always share about this. It's why counseling can often help. Not everybody I feel like, though I would often say, everybody should have a good counselor because, man, you can talk for free and they can't tell anybody. <laughs> Uh, that's true, not for free. Not for free. Not for free. You're going to pay something. But what I mean is that they can't tell by law. Sister Clement just like, wait a Wait minute. a minute. <laughs> but it's, it's, it used to be what I called my safe place until I learned God could be safe as well. And then you can have both a counselor and Jesus. I'm just going to throw that out there for free. But there is so much good you can find in the word of God about who you are. And, and your identity. In that process, in, in that road, is where you get to learn who your true self is, according to the word of God. And it'll give you a weapon to fight against that negative thought of, but they said this about me, or, or I have this challenge so I can never accomplish anything. Um, and, I, and I know we, we gotta watch time, so I wanna throw this in here before we go on to the next point. I shared not too long ago at a conference that um, I used to want to be a writer. Um, I, I loved books growing up, loved, loved books growing up. It was my safety, it was, where, it was my escape in my childhood. And I read tons of books on a weekend, like literally, by choice, not by force. From my earliest memories of being able to read, I was devouring books. I had a great imagination. It helped me survive a lot of things, that in prayer. But through grade school, where I struggled to learn how to hold a pencil correctly, I'm also ambidextrous, at least I was to try to beat it out of me. And so I struggled with having neat handwriting. So because I couldn't neatly handwrite, that almost disqualified me to some teachers to being able to be a writer. And then later it was because 
I'm dyslexic and they didn't know at the time what to do with us and how that was labeled during my years of education that um, because I couldn't get my sentence structure correct or I couldn't retain where proper punctuation went or I couldn't retain certain things they were teaching me though I could speak to you correctly for the most part. Um, I always got these red letter things and basically told, <laughs> you're definitely not a writer. <laughs> so think of something else, right? And I didn't realize how badly that stuck in me until I got into my career and learned that you have to write all these emails and now someone's gonna read your work and are they gonna view it the same way my English teachers did in school? Are they gonna read what I have to say and not take the knowledge I'm sharing and look at it and go, oh, this, this silly, uneducated, why is she even here? Why is she wasting anyone's time? I always had that innate fear in me. And so it would take me sometimes hours to fight within myself to send an email. In addition to the fact that I would have to rearrange the structure of my email just simply because of how my brain works. I battled that for a very long time. And so if I knew God had called me to write a book and he still has called me, but I would tell people, well, I'm not a writer, so I can't write my book, but I know I'm called to write my book, but I can't write my book. And then someone corrected me and they said, Rosalind, you're a writer, you're not an editor. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What is that? You know, and not that I didn't know what it was, I did, but that was the first time someone attacked and was giving me words to defend and to protect me from what I had been told in grade school. And I sat back and I said, it was like that aha moment. I was like, God is, what? And he's like, yeah. Oh, there's someone else that has a whole career <laughs> to do this. He's like, just like there's someone that has a whole career to be an ophthalmologist, to be a cardiologist, to be a biology teacher. Yeah, I just called you to share your story in written format. Someone else can do the, the technical aspects of it. And both of you are needed. <sighs> That's why it's important to share our story because until someone had actually asked me why I said I wasn't a writer, I would have never been told what I was told that set me free and gave me liberty in one fell swoop, a couple of seconds. That chain fell off. And the armor that was the imposter syndrome was being taken away piece by piece off of me. And it has been doing that all of my life because it took a, a many years for that armor to be built, that wall to be put up brick by brick by others or myself. This conference is on being commissioned and we've already heard about how valuable our story is, our testimony is. But there's this other part of believing it 
that has to be addressed before we can take that next step. It meant slight sidebar. While she was talking, I looked down at what we had on today, and we were in blue, black and brown. <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody else thought it too. I was like, hmm. My, <laughs> my plaid jacket is over there. I got a little warm, so I took that today off. Today we fit the mold. <laughs> we just added some patterns to it. But um, that's my brain. I'm just like, oh, Lord, blue, black, and brown. But anyway, <laughs> Psalm 139, 13 through 15. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. My frame was not hidden from you. The Lord knew exactly who he was making, who he was creating, what he wanted you to be before you were born. So now we're born and we're here on this earth and the years go on and every single thing, most of the time, the, thing, the negative things are what we hold on to. The positive things, you might remember some of those things. But more than you would remember somebody saying, oh, you're such a great person. You remember your teacher telling you to hush because you're talking too much. You that know? was me. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention any names, but yeah, she <laughs> sat right up there. Then they finally moved her from the teacher's they desk. They did. They, used, they put me next to the teacher's desk to keep me from talking. And I can talk to anybody. And before long, she was like, mistake. Let me move you to a corner. And then they moved me to a corner. And because I have a great imagination, I was just as happy as I could be over there drawing and doodling. And I was listening, but I was in my own world creating stories, all these things. It was, it was a win-win for me. Or it was more of me taking a loss and making it a win. Which she learned at an early age. And some of those things affect you as well. Jeremiah 29 and 11. We all know this one. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Another version, to give you an expected end. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, new has come. These are all the ESV versions here. But I think about the Bible and how phenomenal the word of God is. And yet, with all of the wisdom that is in the word of God, it seems that us as Christians will let every other word outweigh what the word of God says about who we are and what we are. I grew up in church. I grew up in an apostolic church, a fantastic church that, not perfect, but a fantastic church that allowed us to grow and they groomed us into being whatever. We had access to a lot of things. We, my church, from the time I was five years old, like ran seven, eight hundred to me being in my 20s, being over 1,000. It was always a large church with a lot of programs, a huge 100-voice choir, all these great things. 
And then life happened. So I got married and well, not that's not what happened, but the that way, was a good the thing. Way he said I got that, married and all like, went downhill from there. I was like, wait, what happened? No. <laughs> got married. And when I got married, I left my safety, the the nest where I was groomed and everybody loved me and thought I was the best of whatever. And I left there. And I'll say like Texas is a lot like Florida. We do what we want to do. You know what I'm saying? You come to Texas, this is who we are. Deal with it. You come to Florida, I'm like, this is just who I am. Palm trees, flip-flops is who I am. It's how I grew up. You go somewhere else, they think you're weird. <laughs> you're weird, okay? So I'm talking about the word of Pentecost here. For those that, you know, you might have even grew up in church or you're in now or you've been in a certain amount of time, you feel like you have to fit a certain mold to do certain things. So as a minister, you know, there's a process. We were ministering before we got our minister's license, and we got our minister's license and been preaching all over the place and traveling here, there, and this church, and that church, and this group of friends, and that group of friends. And before long, you realize everywhere you go is not like home. Everybody thinks differently in the body of Christ. Everybody has their own opinion in the body of Christ. And you find yourself running over here and running over there and trying to figure out who you fit in with and who's going to accept you for whatever the reason until you realize that no matter what you do, you're not going to be able to fit in with everybody everywhere all the time. That's the same thing with uh life in general as, as like a, being married or just yeah. the school you go to or all these different things and you're trying to figure out what is the best thing that I can do? What por portions of me can I let go of to be able to fit in with this group or to be able to do, to do this thing or to be like them? And eventually you find yourself driving yourself crazy because you have not learned to like you. That's it. You haven't learned to accept who God created you to be. And that's an important part of your self journey. While you are single, do continual communication with God on who am I really? Who am I really? How do you see me? And help me see myself the way you see me. Real quick, Sister Clemens hit on this earlier when she said, as a single person, if you don't work on yourself being single, the things that you did not conquer as a single person, you're going to take those things into a marriage, and they're just going to magnify in the marriage because you didn't get a chance to work on those things that you had issues with. Imagine two people coming together that didn't work on the issues that they were dealing with. Now they're, all, they're both magnified in a relationship that you have become one. Mm -hmm. I want to add this in here because I, I want to make sure that we tie in, um, you know, the, the reality of imposter syndrome and then what to do and how to deal with it. And we are, neither one of us are licensed counselors, um, but we do by grace of God and are able to do some what I call spiritual advisement and, and to be a good listening ear and there's a term called pastoral counseling that's also um, an adequate thing to address some of these. 
But when I mentioned about the writing situation and how that person ended up speaking in my life, to get me to that point, after some pity parties over the years and after some apologies to God about why I hadn't done what I felt he had called me to do, in my prayer time, in my conversation and transparency with God, I made the statement, Lord, help me be able to do what you've called me to do. What in me is still broken, still needs healing, that is causing me not to be obedient to what you've called me to do. And he started putting different situations in my life and different things being said and different challenges that were pushing me to have to address address each of those negative things as I could handle it and how to tackle those things one by one. And when I say it's still a process, it is. Because if he did it all at once in you or in me, we would crumble. We would shatter into a thousand pieces and the weight would be too heavy. And he loves us too much, too much to see us destroyed in his learning process in our life that he started, in our growing season, in our developing, in our deliverance season. And that person came to me and I was like, okay, let me mark that down. All right, it's a nugget I get to hold on to. Was that the, the, the end and be all of me going, okay, now I'm perfect, I can go and do? No. There were other parts of me that had to be addressed and are still being addressed. And one of the things that he mentioned to me was you need to go see a counselor. Because you're going to unpack some things in your writing, which for me, I don't know how other people, maybe if you're a technical writer, it's not so much. But if you're writing things that have an emotional draw on who you are or deals with things you've gone through, it lives when you, when you dig into it. And I understand, though I am a licensed minister and I share all great things that God gives me to share and minister as he sees fit, and I can talk to other people and give them all the things, but I cannot counsel myself I know counselors that go to counselors just for that reason, because they understand you can't counsel yourself. I can't spiritually advise myself enough to compensate from hearing what thus saith the Lord for me from someone else, which is why it's important to have a pastor in your life. Yeah, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Yes. And so in that, I said, okay, God, I want to learn how to properly, no, how to safely unpack the things in my past and properly pack back because I'm never gonna, without aid of some traumatic brain injury or something, I'm gonna always remember the things that I've gone through because he uses them in my ministry for his glory. But I need to know how to deal with it to be a healthier and wiser person in the role you've called me to. Dealing with how you view yourself when it's opposite or not complete is how God sees you, is a process. Understand that. It is okay to be in the process and not go from A to Z overnight. Give yourself some liberty and some freedom to grow and to develop, just like all the other living things on this earth. 
God has a plan for everybody, every single person, every individual, whether you see yourself like this or like this. If you see yourself like this, something's going to cause you to come down. You see yourself like this, God's going to bring somebody in your life to bring you up here. Yeah. Either way, which one do you want to be? I'd rather never be here <laughs> because I understand if I get here, it's because God brought me there. Always, always. Yeah. But I, 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 there's a story. We're not going to be too much longer, but there's a story. It's one of my favorite stories. She's preached on it before. I've taught on it before. And it's the it's story of David when he was young. And I, I'm always admired this story because my thought process is the things that I was not qualified for, not qualified to do, didn't feel like I was chosen, always being looked over because of whatever the thing might be. So many times as a single person, and I, I was single till I was 26, which is, I mean, I'll say that's old age and Pentecost, but it's, it's really not. Yeah. It's really not. But I got married at, at, at 26. But before that, my church hosted a singles conference every year for years. Of course, I told you last night, Brother Stone King preached them all. But I was involved in singles ministry from the time Uber, when you were 16 and up. You get help with the singles in our, in our church. And we had a thriving singles ministry. I was raised by a single mother, which is really how I got started in it, because I was always there at their, their things that they did. Um, my mom was very involved in that. And so at 16, from 16 to 26, that's 10 years. It seemed like forever, but at 16, I was way too young to get married. But I learned a whole lot from people, because I always watched people. And I always listened to the messages that were taught at the singles conference and the speakers from, you know, Karen Harding to Brother Stone King to Janice Showstrand came and taught us. And then she screamed us and preached us and all the things. But it was so many highs and lows of it that I learned a lot, even though, of course, I was not perfect and still aren't perfect. But I learned a lot. But in those times, I remember people preaching about David. And there were so many wonderful things about David that were highs and some other things were about David that were lows. And I remember I was I questioned when they when the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. And I'm like, David, the same David that got that woman's husband killed, the same David that this David, a man after God's own heart. But prior to all of the David that we know of him growing up was when David was found. Do y'all remember that story? I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to go to 1 Samuel 16. Just listen. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Since I have rejected him from being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, thy Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go if Saul hears it? He will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you will anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to, the, to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? 
He said, peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his statue, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Sometimes we read that and we say something else. It's not what it means. Then Jesse called Abinadad and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send me, send and get him, for we will sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought, his, brought him in. Now he was ruddy, ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. He was the last one, and he was the one that was chosen. He was the one that his own father chose, did not choose. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, on and on and on. Surely, the one you're not looking for is David, the youngest, the one least qualified to do the job. Surely that's not him. Now, if you look at your own life, look at the things you've been through, the things maybe you've done, the reasons why you've disqualified yourself from doing ABC or being ABC, D, E, F, or G, and yet at the right time, in the right season, you got chosen for the job. You got chosen for the task. Why? Your boss didn't see that you were qualified. That church didn't see that you could do the job. Mm -hmm. But maybe your boss was removed and somebody else came in and it was year 12 and all of a sudden it's you. There's something about you that God allowed you to be chosen, but it was at the right season and at the right time that God ordained you, the person that thought you were least qualified because of the things that had been placed on you, the things you began to believe about yourself that were against the knowledge of God and what God said you were and how he felt about you. So many times, it attacks everyone, but I know for sure single people feel so disqualified to do certain things because they're not attached to somebody or they don't fit this quota or this thing. 
Yet in the season you're in, God can still and will still use you to do something more powerful than you could actually see yourself doing. And I want to add in some things here um, because I was a single, a divorcee, single parent for eight years. Um, and it was rough. I was raising um, my son and amazing my first miracle baby. My second one is that one over there, my daughter, um, which me and my husband here have. But I can remember the pressure I carried. I remember how my whole world changed. I had done a lot of things I thought right in a very wrong world, which biblically would have still been wrong, but at the time I thought they were right. Um, and now I was in the consequences of some of that and plus the negative actions of an abusive former spouse and on top of the fact of the adultery that he was committing in that relationship. And in that situation, I had sacrificed a lot of things because I, I, I shrunk down, I dumbed down, I started to question everything about myself, especially because it was a very abusive relationship and I grew up in an abusive environment, so it was just the same pattern. And I was continually shrinking, 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 shrinking. And it's amazing about the God we serve. His plans are always right. And he had planted some seeds of thoughts in me in my youth. Despite what teachers said, I still dreamed big. I just believed nobody else would let me ever do it, and I, couldn't be, I wouldn't accomplish any of it. Like, I still had the dream, though. And then I would quickly tell myself, oh, you'll never, never, never. Nope, not you. But I would still dream. It's amazing how God has that seed in you, that thing that you've been trying to stuff down because the world has said just the opposite, or life has said just the opposite about you. But scripture clearly says when he formed you in your mother's womb. So, I'm a single mom trying to figure out finances. Great, one income, how's that happen and how's that work in the world? There's that pressure. There's no, like the scripture said, there's no man. There's, there's, you know, there's no one to help me fix my car and the mechanics are shady. There's, you know, the lights are cut off and I'm telling my kid that, well, a storm came through when in reality, no, I was short this month. And I didn't get the money to keep the lights on until later. And to be slightly transparent, there's still nobody to fix the car because I don't do that stuff. <laughs> so that's true. Dream big, but Thank there's some reality there. <laughs> that is very true. Um, on and off the system, I went. I was on food stamps. I was in WIC. I was all the things, all the things, and shouting the church down on Sunday at the altar, crying it out, and going home to my reality being late to church service Sunday morning. So my son was late to Sunday school every morning, but he got there. <laughs> Some people don't know the struggle. They don't understand the struggle because they haven't walked it or it's been long removed. So they've forgotten and they put expectations on us that are not realistic to the environment or the life we're currently living. Sometimes things happen, yeah. not making excuse if you could be on time to not be on time, but the reality of the situation I was dealing with and the mental pressure just to go. And then I'm gonna help someone in here. And then to come to church and have someone chastise me because I was late, 
but they weren't there to help me make sure I had food on my table. I'm just going to, I can't help it. I'm going to have to be very transparent. Just real quick. I was just going to say that if we had more time, there is so much more that yes. we could share about life that things that we would be preaching at a marriage retreat, the same thing that singles need to hear. Yeah. From a married couple who was single yeah. and now married, just to, I'm going to let you talk, but just because you're married does not mean all of life has gotten better. You have to deal with <laughs> things single yes. that you have to deal with married. Yeah. Just because just I, I, I was funny about that, because you know, there's somebody to fix the car. My, my, my thought process is that may be your hope and dream, but you may marry the most amazing man or most amazing who wife fix in a life <laughs> who can't do some of the things that you've dreamed who up can't in your change head. change a tire. <laughs> but that's life. It's life. And I, I have to piggyback on, she wasn't going to let me talk. Y'all saw her keep talking real, real quick when I grabbed the microphone. <laughs> I got to say this because this is something that we've had to learn yeah. because it's, there's a reason for everything. Yes. My wife, like she just said, her and Kai was late for everything because of whatever the excuse, okay? She married somebody yes. who does not like being late at At all. all. Like, Aww. when I tell you on time, on time is 10 minutes before you're supposed to be there, for the most part, okay? I've never been late before, before marriage. I, I'm, I, look, she, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Before we got married, I cannot think of one time I was late for church. From the time I was a kid to the time we got married. And I think one of our very first arguments was we were being late, we were going to be late for choir practice. And we only lived like seven minutes from the church. And when I say late, like if it's at 4.30, we were going to get there at like 4.40, not 4.30, which would have been on time, but not on time for me. So I want to be at 4.25. So we had to discuss a lot of things about that. Because I'm only sharing this because I want to give you real, real. Just because you get married from, for that person that you've been longing for all of your life or whatever, it doesn't make things perfect. There's still going to be issues that you're going to have to deal with, and you come together. There's more issues you got to deal with, and you're going to have to compromise on what late looks like and what on time looks like. Yeah. So now on time for us is the time that it starts. But we're there. That was the compromise. And only because of the cool thing about now that. Now, you go ahead and talk, since, sis. Since we go in there. Since we're going there. The interesting thing is he came, he married me, and I, we had an instant family because I already had a child. And so there's a dynamic once you have children that changes for certain personality traits like mine. I do not have a set schedule for anything. I don't like habits, and there's a whole history behind that. Um, I'm hyper, if you can't tell, um, but it is the most amazing thing for me to be because yes. in being who I am with understanding things that need to be corrected, that need to be corrected in my life, I'm not making excuses for things that you do that are unhealthy or don't make life functional for you. My career that God got me into during the times when I was struggling the most was I was designed for it and it is designed for me. And that's the portion that I, we were talking about earlier. God created her to be who she is. Yeah. We all work on things, but how she is 
is how she's able to deal with and do all the things that she does that other people can't do. Yeah. Our life is not boring at all. <laughs> at all. At all. Because she is a lot. <laughs> And I love it. In the most good way. In the most good way. In the most good way. For real. She's a lot. But she's a lot. (laughs) Sister Clemens, I might need to see you after service today. (laughs) But God made us for each other because we balance each other out. We're not going to spend the rest of our lives going, she's not exactly what I need her to be. So I have to complete, continue, take all the things that make her her and try to slice all of those things away to make her who I want her to be. But God made her because he knew who I needed her to be for me, not just for her. There are things that God gave me that helps her. I don't even need agreement with that. That helps her be who she needs to be. That allows me to be who I need to be. Exactly. But we help each other. Yeah. And that's the thing, um, and I want to make sure we, we get into this part, what I was saying from being the single parent person and dealing with that, being a single amongst a variety of different single causations in the church, never married, divorced, widowed, the like of yeah. various ages. We had a very young person or a younger person in our church that was a widow at a very young age of marriage um, that had two children. One was under the age of four. So, and then we had others that had been divorced and had been unmarried from that divorce for 20 years. Um, I, I, there's so much I want to throw out here to help you guys. Some of you in here are, are at the age where some of these singles could, be, could have been or could be the age of your child. I'm going to help somebody. One of my best friends to this day is old enough to be my mother. And we used to go to singles conferences together. We had singles prayer at her house. I counseled her at times, and she counseled me at times. She always said I was called to be the preacher, so I got a chance to do a lot more counseling than she did to me because God had gifted me in certain areas, and she respected and allowed me to have room for that gift to flourish in our friendship. But then there were times she'd remind me and say, okay, Rosalind, And I'm like, okay. I don't want you to feel like if you're at an age where you think, well, there's nothing to do with me and I I have no one. And so this is just going to be my life. No, you still have a gift in you from God and you're still valuable to the kingdom. Just learn how to love people not like you. Regardless of what's going on in your life. Add to that real quick. In between her her divorce and her getting married to me, she caught the oh, bouquet. Three, ooh, tell it. No, twice. It was twice. She caught the bouquet oh, yes. twice in the same lady. This lady got married twice between the time she was divorced and married me. She caught her bouquet twice before she the, got married. I'm in the pictures, y'all. <laughs> two I, different dresses, two different bouquets, confusion, yes. same lady. And then her younger sister got married before me, too. I was like, man. But in life, a- life happens. Happened. Yes. And while life is happening, when you're catching the bouquet in the same woman's wedding twice, and you're still not married, and you're wondering where God is and where he's forsaken you, just remember, 
although she did that, God gave her the most amazing man <laughs> that won't he do it? I'm trying to I'm trying to help somebody today. Oh my lord. But the other thing is I celebrated what was going on in the lives of everyone else around me, married or unmarried. Let me let me tell you how to help and I still live life. Let me tell you how to help yourself. I don't know if you guys have these here. I actually would ask my pastor if I could come to the marriage retreats or the marriage seminars, depending on the situation of the, of the way it was, because I wanted to learn what a biblical healthy marriage should be. So I asked if we could bring our singles and we sit in the back and take notes and then when it got whatever, we, can, we could leave out. Because I wanted to learn how to not make the same mistakes, but I also wanted to equip those that had never been married on, on what it looks like and address the things you come up with, like finances. And because a lot of people, if you work, we mentioned this last night, work on your finances, work on learning how to create a budget, work on figuring out how to way to make income. Because I'm going to tell you something, there's this thought process. And I hope if I, if we're, if I'm off your pastor or you can go to your pastor and get whatever kind of fix what I'm finished here, here. But I we don't want y'all going to the marriage retreat looking for unhappy people. Thank you. So that's no, not what it's about. That, and that's not what I was going to say. But what I'm going to say here is I know a lot of people that were married and there was only one income coming in the home. Typically in the situation, traditional relationships, it was the man. Things change in the world. One of those things is sometimes that breadwinner gets called to heaven before you do. Then what do you do? I can't tell you how many I've had a chance to be witness to or conversation with that are trying to figure out what do I do and how do I make a living, and, and I, especially if they have young kids or even if they have adult kids or if they have a, like, we have to start having those kind of conversations in 2023 on figuring out a plan a lot of us were not taught these things in the generations that came before us, or it was taboo, or no, 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 There's a, this, is the, this is the nuclear way it has to look. This is not the world today. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the book, but understand he created very valuable resources to help plan family things out and finances out and wills and, and power of attorneys and all the things, because that's the world we live in now. So it's important that you address the wholeness of who you are. Not everyone's called to have a career, so I'm not saying that. Sometimes, sometimes you are called to fulfill the role of being a stay-at-home mom, which is a career in itself. So I'm not saying go against what God is leading you to, but I am saying evaluate it and plan. Conversation and communication yeah. is key. And the other thing is sometimes a situation will come in your life where God will redirect you. I hadn't planned on marrying and it ended in divorce, but God redirected me. I had a career before my marriage ended. I gave it up for the marriage. When the marriage ended, I now had to figure out what I was going to be doing, which is how I ended up getting in church, really. And then out of that and out of who I made, God said, I created you perfectly well. I, I, so let me lead you. And he led me in a very non-conventional way in, in my workplace, and I could go there, but I'm not. But in the end... I'm in a career where my personality, where my weaknesses and my strengths flourish. 
I am very fortunate that I get to share information and be the expert at the table from people from the White House down. I get a chance to send people that have multiple doctorate degrees and are experts globally in their profession and send them to go do things and I head that up. It's my, it's my team, it's my project. Multi-million dollar projects. Not because I am quote unquote a genius since grade school but because I am gifted in who God called me to be and he yes. makes me able to do it, so therefore I can. Amen. And therefore I do because God's hand is upon me. With the way my mind works differently from others, with the way I learn, with the way I speak, with my gender, with my apostolicness that I arrive on the scene with, with my natural hair, when I have hair, <laughs> right now I'm in the kind of a no hair I'm here because of my health, with my health challenges, with moments of ending up not being able to walk and using a walker and a cane, with my chronic illness, with all the things that the negative parts of my upbringing flood back to say, I can't do and we can't do and you can't accomplish. God has spent time healing me and working on me and putting people in my life to share with me different pieces that I need worked on and go, you're not that, you're this. You're what I've called you to be. But I couldn't get there, and you can't get there if, one, you're not transparent, if, one, you're not spending time in the house of God, if you're not submitted to the ministry of the body of Christ under a pastor. Yes, you have to have that. I'm going to say it over and over. If you're not taking the time to realize, I might need to go see my family doctor. I might need to go see a counselor. I might need to wear glasses. I might need whatever it is. I might need to go to college and I'm 40 or 50 or 60. Because God's called me to it, but I was told I was dumb, so I never did it. I actually have a degree. My first degree, I got honors. I graduated in a two-year degree in a year and three months. I was the first student government president that was black and female at my college. Me. I went on to get my bachelor's degree, and the crazy thing is, because of life, it took me 17 years to finally get it done, so... <laughs> <laughs> because I had to work and start and stop and because I had hangups that I refused to address and all the things. But God makes us able. God makes you able. If you could see yourself the way he sees you, man, there is nothing you can't do. And I'll address some of this in my message later, but you're qualified because you're breathing. You were qualified when he shaped you in your mother's womb, regardless of what your mom might have said about your birth, regardless of the way your parents might have treated you, regardless of even if you were raised by your mother or father, regardless of whether you were given away, thrown away, whatever. If you're here today and you're breathing, his plans are perfect. His plans are perfect, and you are that plan. Amen. We're going to end with this. This is a singles conference, so I want to address one particular thing because this is something that I know that singles can deal with. So everybody's different. There are single people who don't desire to be married. There are single people who desire to be married. There are single people that were married, 
no longer married and desire to be married. There are singles that were married and decided that that was it and I'm gonna be happy being single. All of those things are wonderful. The only thing I will say is don't count God out. Because I'll qualify that by saying this. If that is what you've decided to do, but that decision was based upon circumstances or fear or the things that you've placed in its place, then that's something that you've taken control of. But if you've decided, which I think is the best decision, to say, Lord, thy kingdom come, your will be done. If I was married and I'm single now and I'm 70 years old and God decides to bring the perfect person in my life now, I'm going to be okay with it. If I'm 30 years old and haven't been married yet, he could come any day now. She could come any day now. But while I wait... Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. David was tending sheep Come on. when he was chosen. Do you think the day that David was chosen, he knew he was going to be king? You don't know what your tomorrow is going to be today. So why count God out just because he didn't come through yesterday? He didn't plan on coming through yesterday. He planned on coming through tomorrow. He planned on coming through today at 4.30. It's not 4.30 yet. But God's timing is always perfect. And his ways are always higher than our ways. So while you're waiting on whatever you're waiting for, tend the sheep. Trust God and allow him to be God in your life because his plans are better than ours. I never thought, and I'm just, I'm just going to say this, I never thought that I was good enough to be married to somebody like her. Yet God said, while you're waiting, while I'm perfecting you, I'm perfecting somebody else who's dealing with her own things and getting through her own things. And at the right time and in the right season, you're going to see it. She's going to know it. And then together, you're going to storm the gates of hell. So I'm thankful that God has put us together because I know what life was without her. I know what life is like with her, although she's a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine any day without her being in my life and me being by myself and having all these questions and things and not doing this or doing that or just woe is me or whatever. Before I got married to her, I was living my life. 
before she got married to me, she was doing the most. I was living my best life. I best was life. doing the most and going they, places. They say keep the road hot. I, yes. She was keeping the road hot. And sometimes I was going to, I, I went to, I knew God had called me to minister. And I didn't think it would be, honestly, on a platform. I loved altar work and doing one-on-one. I actually am, I was shy, believe it or not. <laughs> um, very shy. And I felt very unqualified to be a part of those elite ones that were in pulpits and doing the things in conferences and all that. So I was going to ministry conferences Still to be educated, I was going to singles conferences, ladies conferences, family camps. I was like, How, what's the driving distance? If I can afford to drive, then I'll go. You want to Let go? me throw this in there, too. And this is more so for the ladies. How are you going to be seen Come on. if you don't go nowhere? <laughs> if there is nobody in your local church, there probably ain't going to be nobody in your local church. You don't got to go looking for him, but you at least got to go where he's at. <laughs> My pastor. What I'm saying about that is <laughs> go to church conferences. Yes. Go live your life. Pursuing your calling. Yes. And getting if, your if, education. If you're going to be in ministry, if you're going to be in ministry, then go to the minister's conference. If he's worth his weight, he's going to be at the altar somewhere. Am I right? Don't just settle for the person that goes to the church and don't even know the pastor's name. Do you understand what I'm saying? That means they probably don't go that often. But yet he meets the qualifications because he's, um, he's got two legs and, you know, he, Lord, that this might be the one. No. God's plans are perfect. The right one is out there. Don't settle. And I will say this, you, it's he who findeth. findeth. There's one thing to be there, because my pastor said, well, Sister Rosalind, um, you got to be able to be found. Go be found. That's right. And that's what he told me. But he said, be found. So I'm not up there tapping people on the shoulder and in someone's, what we would call in their DMs right now. Oh, I just want to say Hi. So great to meet you if they didn't come back and try to meet you first. There is a way more perfectly that things should do, and there's a process that God has put in place to allow the gentleman, as what was shared when up here on the panel, <clears throat> you know, man up. Because if they're not going to man up and pursue you, then they're not the one for you. Hear me on that. If they're not willing to put in the work, let them go because they won't put in the work once you do tie the knot. It doesn't change. Okay, now she's meddling, so we need to, we need to close on out. We my daughter just texted me. I'm hungry. She is not in any of this at all. But Sorry. I help somebody. I just yes. help. So let, let's we're going to end this. So we'll end it like this. Men, go find her if you're wanting to be married. Women. Go be found if you want to be married. If not, live your life. Live, go have fun. Go be great for Jesus. Go ride a roller coaster. Go do something different. Go travel. Go see the world safely. Don't just 
be here, woe is me. Because if you don't want to be married, then you're not woe is me. You're living your life. If you do want to be married, then go be found. If you're looking for a wife, go find her and be who she needs you to be. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the Hey, thanks for listening to Northgate Pentecostal. Check us out on Facebook and YouTube, and you can watch the video of the message you just listened to. God bless y'all.